Welcome to Create Your Own Light, where we harness our past, we embrace our future, and learn to conquer the roadblocks along the way together. I'm your host, Travis Howes. Let's get on with it. This episode is brought to you by YourWelder.com. YourWelder.com is an online directory of mobile welders. Whether at your home or at your industrial processing plant, we come to you. Our community of mobile welders can repair anything from the neighbor's mailbox that you just backed into or the cat bulldozer sitting on your job site. YourWelder.com is a directory of highly skilled professionals willing to help you on your job site on your timetable. YourWelder.com screens all of their welders using tools like photos from social media apps such as Instagram, Parler, and Facebook, even face-to-face meetups. YourWelder.com was built by actual industry welding experts who actually perform this type of work on a daily basis. And here's the best part. They're veteran-owned and operated. So go check them out at YourWelder.com. And also feel free to check them out on social media, where I'll include their links in the show notes. Hello, everybody. Um, I'm sitting here laughing because I'm going to start this off a little aggressively today. Um, Inspiration comes from many places. Sometimes uh, I sit around and I'm like, man, what, what do I want to talk about on the podcast? And, and, and I've had these, I've had these discussions before on here. Well, I'll say discussion. I've had this monologue with myself before about how sometimes I'll sit here and I'm just, I just think, and I'm like, what do I come up with to talk about? Well, sometimes inspiration comes to you just out of the blue. And today's inspiration or inspiring episode, podcast, whatever you want to talk about comes in the form of a t-shirt. And this is the, probably the biggest douchebag t-shirt I've ever seen in my life. You know, there's a lot of t-shirts out there that I don't, (laughs) I got to tread lightly kind of man, because I get it to an extent. There's a lot of people that are prideful of what they do for a living as you should be. You should be proud of your job. But there's a difference between being prideful and then seeking recognition for what you do versus what other people don't do. And what I mean by that is <laughs> not everybody is is cut out to be a firefighter. Not everybody's cut out to be in the military. Not everybody's cut out to be in law enforcement. So if you're in those professions, first of all, thank you for what you do. I personally know how difficult those professions are, but we do them because it's a calling for the most part. We don't do them because we want to walk around and pat our chest and pat our backs and say, Hey, look at me. Look what I did. Look what you didn't do. It takes people doing those things and doing those professions for a living. So we can have the democracy that we have, right? Those things are absolutely necessary. So, I guess what I'm getting at is this. I saw the biggest douchebag t-shirt I've ever seen. And I'm going to have to read this because I have a picture of it. This is no bullshit. This shirt exists. It's a PTSD shirt. And I want to talk about this kind like, I don't need, I'm at a loss for words. If you can't tell, look, this shirt says this, this is no bullshit. This shirt is out there. It's got this shield. It's American flag shield with some iron wings on it. And with two, it looks like submachine guns on both sides. 
And it says PTSD is not a sign of weakness. It's a sign of absolute strength. I'm not going to disagree with that statement. Your PTSD can make you stronger, right? But just because somebody has it doesn't mean that they're strong. Some I when I had it at my absolute worst, I was weak as fuck. I I was a symbol of absolute weakness because I was beaten down. What I chose to do with it was the strengthening part. All right, but this isn't the problem I have with this shirt. The next part is is the text on the bottom. It says PTSD is earned by doing what others fear. You heard me correctly. That is a real t-shirt where someone is walking around putting their trauma on a shelf and displaying it like it's a fucking trophy. And I talk about this extensively in my course, Post-Traumatic Purpose. I talk about the egotistical kind of mindset it takes for someone to use their past experiences to build themselves up to beat other people down. And what I mean by that is this. When you're in the business of being surrounded by trauma all the time, when I was a young, when I was very young, I remember old salty veterans in all these businesses using their past experiences to belittle you and to berate you as if you didn't belong there. And they would use it to the extent of you can't come talk to me until you've seen this bad thing, that bad thing, and this bad thing, and, and, and it goes on and on and on. And what that does over time, when you have a person who is exposed to something, who really desperately needs help, they're not going to come to that old veteran for help. And what that does is that makes that veteran a weak leader that makes them a shitty mentor. And I was that I was that I didn't, I didn't walk around boasting about different events, but I didn't care what you, what you went through because I knew it wasn't something I went through. So I didn't give you the time of day. And if you did come complaining and whining about your woes, I would brush it off and push you to the side. Like it didn't matter. But what I didn't do and what I never really saw any of my, well, I've never, I've never seen any of my people do this because honestly, if you wear a shirt like that, that says PTSD is earned by doing what others fear. You need to have that shirt ripped off your fucking back and shoved down your throat. That is the most ridiculous thing I've ever seen or heard in my life. You do what you do for a living and there's a cost associated with that, unfortunately. But you don't get a ribbon for that. You don't get a medal for that. You don't walk around seeking praise for it. I tell people all the time, what you do with your experiences and how you use your experiences to help other people, that's what makes you a better leader in whatever capacity it's in. Not abusing what you've been exposed to to make people feel like they are less than you and like they need to come up and thank you. I've seen those veteran shirts and every veteran out there, you know, you, you know, this is true and, and civilians will hear this and they'll probably, they won't understand it. And it will sound like a dick thing that I'm about to say, but it is so true, right? There are a lot of veterans out there 
who are thank me for my service style veterans. There are a lot of them out there. And they use that as a way to get recognition for what they've done. And I don't, I don't like that. I, I've never, you know, you did a job, you signed up to do that. That's the professional side of it. If you want to, you want to do something with what you've been through in your life, go do it, go do it and help other people, but don't walk around like a walking billboard trying to get handshakes from everybody and people coming up. Oh man, tell me your story because I see apparently, apparently, you know, I'm not worthy of, of post-traumatic stress because I don't have a t-shirt and earned by doing what others fear. Think about that. PTSD isn't just a military thing. It's not just an emergency services thing. I actually, my mind goes straight to a rape victim when I hear, when I, when I read that shirt, I was like, wait a minute. So you, you telling me there's no validation in a rape victim's post-traumatic stress. You, you telling me there's no, no validation in a sexual assault victims, post-traumatic stress or a domestic abuse, uh, domestic abuse victims, post-traumatic stress. Think about how ignorant that shirt is. It's ridiculous. And that's my rant rant over. I take that back. My rant is not over. <laughs> Firefighters got some corny ass shirts, man. I fight what you fear. Y'all know y'all seen that bullshit. <laughs> I've seen, I've seen motherfuckers where I fight with you fear shirts and I sit back and I look at it and I'm like, I bet, I bet when a shit gets bad in a fire, right? You're, you're hiding somewhere. Like I've seen those kind of people like just, just go do your fucking job. Firefighter. What about this one? You ever see that firefighter shirt? And I know some people are going to get pissed, whatever. I'm it, 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 it is what it is firefighters we find them hot and leave them wet like who wears that shit put your hand down i know somebody in west virginia's got their hand up right now i know listen with the sleeves off i know all right y'all don't y'all don't take that too personal if you do fuck it i don't care it is what it is listen while we're breaking balls on stereotypes i do i do want to recognize take this moment to recognize um i was dead on the money on a stereotype this morning like i told y'all um, I'm very hypervigilant when I pull into parking lots, I watch every vehicle that's in the parking lot. I'm looking at them. I'm observing. I'm, I'm looking inside of buildings to make sure there's not a lot of people scrambling and, and things like this. But sometimes, sometimes my hypervigilance makes me pay attention to things that are just, just too ridiculous. So I pull in a parking lot at the gym today and there's, there's this big dually Chevrolet 3500 dually. Now, when I tell you big, I mean, this thing is on a lift kit. The tires are big, huge knobby tires that stick out from the sides like a long way. And this thing is a very aggressive, all blacked out, murdered out truck. And a second I pulled in, I'm in my beat up forerunner with one headlight, mind you. And I pull up and I looked at that truck and I said, I guarantee you I'm going to walk in this gym and I'm going to know exactly I'm going to know exactly who's driving this truck. Now, mind you, I don't know anybody at this gym. I don't talk to anybody. I keep it myself. I've never seen that truck before. This is a Saturday that, I, that I'm recording right now. The Saturday that I walked in the gym, it was there was a good bit of people in there. There was probably 50 people in there. And I knew exactly who was driving that truck. So I walk in. I get on the treadmill. And I start scanning. And I'm looking. And I'm looking. And then, boom, all of a sudden, 
I saw somebody and I said to myself, that's the little penis man that drives that truck right there. And I watched this man and everything about him screamed insecurity. Everything about him screamed little man syndrome. Everything about him screamed. That's my big ass truck and I'm going to use it to bully people. And the reason I'm telling you all this story is this because people will tell you who they are without telling you who they are. Right? This, this man with his sleeveless shirt, he was probably in his fifties. First of all, 50 year old men don't need to be dressing like this. This is a ball busting episode. So if y'all don't want to hear it, just go and check out, um, bald head goatee, Staring hard at everybody that walked by, staring at everybody that walked in there. He's got his lats puffed out. He's got little bitty legs. And I just sat there and I was like, I know that's the guy. So I stayed in the gym extra long today just to make sure that was the dude. And I was just cracking myself up. As soon as this man starts walking out of the gym, right? He stared at me like he wanted to like get in the ring with me or something when he walked by me. I mean, I didn't do nothing. I'm just on treadmill, minding my business. And uh, sure enough, he goes out there and he hops in the truck. And he leaves. I don't know what it is about about people and dudes, but every single time you see a truck like that, you can peg the driver from a mile away. There is no real point to this, other than I know a lot of you are agreeing with me. Um, all right, let me let me let me get back on topic here. Let me let me. I've already spent almost thirteen minutes running my mouth about things that don't really mean anything, but sometimes that's how it goes. Look. Um, I want to I want to take this opportunity to opportunity to address my ignorance. And what I mean is this, I love learning. I love learning about myself. I love being at the age that I am now and realizing how ignorant I've been towards certain things. I know that sounds ridiculous. But recently, uh I befriended a gentleman and he was I just I'll just tell you, he's a he works for the Florida Wildlife Commission. And I knew nothing about Florida Wildlife Commission. I knew nothing about wildlife officers. And I grew up in the South. I grew up around hunting and fishing. I was involved in all those things. And the only thing that I knew about wildlife officers or game wardens or, you know, I know that it changes from state to state what they're called. So where I was, where I lived in South Carolina, it was called DNR, Department of Natural Resource Officer, right? And the only thing I really knew about them is that they would write you a ticket if you caught too many shrimp. They'd um, they'd write you a ticket if you your fish that you brought back to the hill were too small or if you had too many. Or if you poached a deer, then they, they could arrest you and all of this. And So I, I grew up watching them drive around in trucks. I knew they had lights in their cars. I never saw them on traffic stops or anything like that. So I didn't have a lot of interaction with them. We just knew that they were out there. And sometimes they'd pull us over in, in my dad's boat when we were young. They'd check you out, make sure you have your vests and all that. And it was more of a, uh, I guess, coming from a safety standpoint, is I thought that they were just out there making sure boaters were being safe and all this. And then, you know, making sure that people were within the regulations of um, hunting and fishing and et cetera, et cetera. I didn't realize how cool their job really is until a pro- about last week and I'm a 44 year old man and I'm actually I'm gonna tell you how the conversation went so I went when I was in Tallahassee I was doing a post-traumatic purpose for 
I mean, there was, uh, there were all kinds of different agencies there, including Florida wildlife commission. And in the front row, there was an officer. He was a Lieutenant. I'll never forget. He was, he was sitting there in all his gear. And this dude was so tactical looking. It was gangster. And I was like, man, what agency is this dude with? Come to find out he was Florida wildlife commission. And afterwards I, uh, I got to talking with a couple of them and I leave, you know, names out for anonymity purposes. Well, the next morning I was invited to have breakfast with, with an officer and his wife and my, and bring my family. And that's what we did. We went out to this officer's farm and we sat down and we had a wonderful breakfast and we had great conversation. And, uh, while my wife and kids were outside with his wife and, and we, we sat down and we talked about what the Florida wildlife commission really is and what they do. And I'm gonna tell you right now, I'm regretting all the decisions I made in life because this is one of the coolest professions that I never knew even existed. I didn't even know about this, man. They have helicopters. They, they ride boats. They, they go out in the woods. They do tactical stuff. It's more than writing tickets. They are full fledged law enforcement officers. And he was starting to tell me about some of the ops that they do and some of the operations that they do undercover stings that they do. And I was sitting here blown away. Now I know y'all think, Hey, there's television shows about this stuff out in Texas and Alaska and all that, but I don't watch TV. So I was ignorant to it. And this is why I like learning so much. And I sat there, I was talking with my new friend and my mind was blown. And then we started talking about the trauma. And this is, this is something that completely changed my perspective on wildlife officers or conservationists or, um, department of natural resources, whatever they are called into different jurisdictions. I never associated trauma with that job, but man, the stuff that we sat there and talked about, did you know that these ladies and gentlemen are oftentimes the very first ones to, um, rural homicides and they're on scene by themselves when they don't know if the killer's still out there and they are by themselves out in the woods, in these forests, in these woods, in these swamps. Then he started telling me something else I'd never even thought of animal attacks. Now, when we're in Florida, we're talking, they have bear and this is, I was, I was ignorant to that. I'm like, y'all have fucking bears. Yeah. They have black bears. And what happens is you told me it's not the, the, the bear doesn't typically go after the people. It's going after a dog that the person is walking their dog. And then the person being so emotionally attached to the animal, their dog tries to intervene and the bear eats them up, you know, obviously out of instinct. Well, you have bear attacks, you have gator attacks, you have drownings, you have plane crashes, you have where the bodies have to be recovered. You have murders, all these things where these officers respond to. And so here I am ignorant me thinking, well, only municipal and county jurisdictional officers and fire departments relate to this stuff. But I never took into consideration all of the things that these wildlife conservation officers go through. And it's a lot. They've lost, I think he said nine, nine people in the line of duty over, I can't X amount of years. And what he was telling me was one was on a four wheeler and hit a closed gate at night. Two of them, two, two officers were killed. They were in their trucks and they were blacked out and they had a head on collision because they were chasing somebody in a boat, but they were up on what we call a dike. And it's where, you know, um, a hill where there's a road and all this, and they, they collided, uh, head on. There was one that 
was shot, unfortunately, and, and it just went on and on. And so now having a better understanding about just how, just how difficult that job has to be. Think about, can you imagine this? Think about this. When I was a police officer, there was backup around every corner. I worked in North Charleston, South Carolina. If we got in a fight, I mean, we were, we were throwing hands for a couple of seconds and then somebody was coming. I mean, you always had help. These men and women are out there by themselves. Like it's like, like a rural County officer or a rural state trooper, but they're out there sometimes in the wilderness where anything goes, man. And that's a scary, scary thing. The more I thought about it, though, the more I was drawn into this conversation by the allure of what they do. I mean, it's tactical. This he, Everything he was telling me was Marine infantry. And I'm sitting there like, wait a minute. You telling me that I got out of the Marine Corps infantry, this very tactical, savvy environment that I loved, and I went on to be a street cop when I could have done this. I'm out there chasing the crackheads, the same crackheads day in and day out, the same same drug dealers day in and day out. And I could be out here actually in the woods, all camoed up on four-wheelers and side-by-sides and hanging out of fucking helicopters and rappelling into the woods and shit. You know how cool that is? And then now I'm sitting here as a 44-year-old man. I don't know if I could still do that stuff. I, I would have to promote up the chain and be in an office or something because I don't know if my body would hold up. But but it was really interesting to learn about that. And now this is this is the beauty of of meeting people and having conversations and having new friendships. I have done so many post traumatic purpose events it's not even funny. And we initially when I started this, we started only inviting cops and firefighters and then it and EMS uh, and paramedics. And then one day the light bulb went off. I was like, wait a minute, spouses need to come to this. And so here of late, it's only been military spouses, fire, police, EMS. And we've done some doctors and nurses and stuff in the past, but now every single place I go to guess who else is going to be welcome to come to this because I was ignorant your wildlife conservation officers never thought about how much those guys and girls go through. As we sat there, we sat there talking and, uh, he was telling me how gruesome these animal attack scenes can be. Now I think I've seen a lot of stuff in my life. I've never been to an animal attack. I've never, I couldn't tell you what somebody eaten by an alligator looks like. I can't tell you what somebody mauled by a bear looks like. I can't even imagine that because I've never, I've never been to that. He told me a story about a, um, a two year old boy that was grabbed by an alligator one time years ago. And this was his second year on the job. And they had to sit up on this alligator for 40 hours as the alligator would come up with the boy in his mouth and then, and then go back under. And then he would keep popping up all over the lake and they couldn't catch his gator. So, they had a sniper end up sitting up on this gator and then eventually they were able to take the shot, kill the gator and recover the boy's body. Think about that. Think about the gentleman that, that had to take that shot and had to sit there and watch that gator surface with that boy and swim around with that boy in its mouth. And think about all the other officers on scene that had to watch that unfold. Now think about being down in Florida, raising a family with with the amount of gators they have. 
and think about just trying to take your kids fishing and standing there fishing on a bank. You think an officer like that would let his let his child get near the near the bank and fish like normal people do every single day without without like freaking out, without making that 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 child step back from the bank 175 feet. I remember I remember growing up on the golf course because my dad was a superintendent on a golf course in um in Hilton Head, South Carolina. And we would go fishing all the time and we just stood on the banks and there were gators out there all the time. And as the problem is those gators are tame. They're not afraid of people. And that's the scary part. They'd come right up there. I remember, I remember weed eating. And, uh, one time when I worked for my father on the golf course and a gator actually come, came up and tried to grab my weed eater while we were on the number four fairway in dolphin head golf club. And I had this weed eater and this gator came up and I was, I was like, damn, this some bitch is coming. And he did, he came right up there and tried to grab the weed eater. And I was like, wow. But think about that. Think about, think about going on a, um, I can, I was, I was immersed in conversation with this man. He, uh, he was telling me about this double homicide and excuse me, chill bumps because when I was hiking in Appalachian trail, uh, a couple years ago with my buddies from the Marines who just happened to be from Florida. They were telling me that they were camping on this site or on this, in this section of, there was a trail or something. And just the week after that they were, they were there, two people were murdered. Well, turns out this is the scene I'm talking about. The gentleman I was having a conversation with had to work that scene with some other people. It was just way out in the woods, two hikers, a man and a woman, they went camping and somebody ended up murdering them. And they had to work that way out 10 miles. I think it was said it was 10 miles from the hardball. And they had to go out and work that in complete isolation, you know? And it's so think about just trying to go on a hike with your family. You know, how do you unsee these things? How do you, how do you not fear your, your, your family safety? This wasn't somebody that just came up up close and personal from my understanding, this guy shot them, shot both of these people from a distance away. They didn't ever, they never even saw it coming from my understanding. And I, I hope I interpreted that correctly because I don't want to speak out of turn here, but that's what I'm getting at. I just had a, uh, I just had a, a therapy appointment yesterday and I always look really, really forward to seeing my therapist. I've, t- I've told y'all, I'm on countless times on here. I have a special relationship with her and she's just a phenomenal human being and a phenomenal therapist. And she's done me so much good over, over my life. And she's helped me really understand myself. And I, I don't know if I've ever said this on a podcast or not, because we talk about, so well, I talk about so much. We, what's all this? We shit in my French all of a sudden. Listen, when I used to speak out publicly against therapists, I was doing so from an ignorant place. And that's why I talk about ignorance and I love growing and actually seeing just how ignorant I was towards certain things. Um, and I was ignorant towards therapy and I was a kind of guy that would urge other people to not speak to therapists because they couldn't relate. And I couldn't have been any further, um, from, from the truth. And, 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 Actually, I'd rather talk to a therapist because I don't want to talk to a cynical person like me because they're going to see everything one-sided just like I do. Um, when I when I talk about therapists now, I talk about being having the complete puzzle and where 
you know, the first responders, the spouses, the military people, we're, we are the middle of a puzzle. We are the picture of the puzzle, but the therapists, the clinicians, the doctors, and all the people that are in those support roles, they make up the borders of the puzzle. And without them, all you have is an incomplete puzzle with no borders, right? And so it really takes all of us, every single one of us to complete the puzzle. And that's why I encourage therapy and I encourage the, you know, talking with these doctors and everything. Now, one of, one of the difficult things that I, I, I wouldn't even say difficult, but one of the, one of the opinions I have, um, or the opinion I have on a certain topic, which is medicine kind of varies. Um, I don't speak out against medicine. Uh, I, I encourage people to figure out what works for them. Uh, I've never been an advocate for medicine uh, because I just, I wanted to deal with everything on my own. And um, I, I'm getting off track here, but I had a, I had a talk with my, my therapist yesterday and we started talking about my recovery, my personal recovery and the leaps and bounds that I've been able to make. And without getting too personal, I look at where I was and how far I've come with this thing. And I also, I know other people who have been in it just as long, if not longer than me. And they're no, they're nowhere closer to being in a better place than they were 10, 15 years ago. And it's sad because you can move forward productively, but that's why I talk about you have to really, really work on it. And you can't, well, just when you get beat down, I mean, I'm talking when you are absolutely beat down, that's when you have to be at your strongest, right? And that's when, when you, when you are weak, you have to find some strength to keep pressing. And she and I had a conversation on, uh, on why I think that my recovery has, has grown leaps and bounds and, and, I gave her an honest answer and the honest answer is this. I think it's freedom of movement with my personal life. And what I mean by that is when you take out all the stress of, of the daily grind and you actually have some freedom in your life to do the things you want to do and do the things you enjoy and do the things in life that make you happy Naturally, I think you grow into a happier place as opposed to waking up, grinding every day in a nine to five job that you, that you don't like being in a relationship that you're miserable in living in a place that you're uncomfortable in being around people that you don't want to be around and never getting to escape that thing, having the burden of financial stress on your plate, that weight, that extra that extra weight that you carry on top of all of the other weight in your personal life. I think that's what makes it difficult for people to recover with this thing. And so that's why I always encourage people to find independence. i I encourage people, whatever profession you're in as noble as it may be and as wonderful as it may be, don't let that define you. Don't only depend on that profession to pay your bills, find other ways Get creative and find other ways to um, support your income, you know, to, to be able to take some pressures off of your plate. 
look at your overall picture, right? And, and find the things that that bring you zero joy, bring you zero satisfaction, and do not add value to your life. I, I talk about drinking all the time, and, and I by no means am encouraging people to follow the path I followed. I chose to quit drinking because when I looked at my plate, the platter of shit that I had on my plate, and I said, what can I offload right now to make this plate a little lighter? And you know the one thing? The one thing that stood out to me was alcohol. And I cleaned that off of my plate. And then I started, over the years, I started doing that same thing with other things um, without getting too crazy you know, over the top in depth here, I started working really hard. I started focusing on, um, I started focusing on debt and I was like, you know what money and, and, and bills will stress you to fuck out. And when you're already in a bad place, you don't need any help being stressed out. You don't need any more pressure. So I said, what can I do right now to eliminate some of this stress? And then, so what I did is I figured out a way to pay some things off. Right. And I got rid of little bills. And then I got rid of bigger bills and then I got rid of even bigger bills. And what that started doing over time, this is not over an overnight process, but if you look at a 15 year plan of your life and say, Hey, do I still want to be in this miserable place in 15 years? I hope your answer is no. And if you don't know the way out, listen, I'm kind of giving you a hint. There's a lot of happiness in freedom, right? But with freedom also become also comes uh, a lot of boredom, right? So there's a delicate balance there. But what I'm getting at is if you look at a 15-year plan of your life and you say, where do I want to be in 15 years? Do I still want to be in the same place? Do I still want to be unhappy? Do I still want to be asking myself, what am I going to do in another 15 years? Because now, you know, you just wasted 15 years of happiness, right? If your end goal is to get to retirement, great. But how can you get to retirement and be successfully like, and, and be happy in your retirement. That's the trick. So start finding little ways to save up a little money here, pay off little debts here and stop, like stop overindulging in certain things that are creating problems for you. I'm not Dave Ramsey. I'm not this highly educated man who went to some accounting school, but I do know this. I do know that a little bit of discipline will take you a long way. And hopefully that long way is a long way away from where you used to be 15 years ago once that 15 years comes to pass. One of my favorite sayings is, don't go broke trying to look rich. And I've said this on other podcasts, man. I'm, so many people are worried about the cars that they drive and how people are going to perceive them by the vehicle that they drive. We waste so much money on vehicles, it's not even funny. And if you look at the money that you spend, and I'm not saying this is everybody, but I, it's a, there's a lot of people. But you, over the course of a 15-year period, you drive two or three different very expensive cars. If you could just for 15 years just drive a normal car, you know, a normal paid-for car, I got nobody to impress kind of mindset. I'm telling you, man, you can buy yourself so much financial freedom. It is ridiculous at the freedom that you can buy with that. But many of us don't plan that far out. You know, we don't think about that. We don't we don't consider how so many little bills actually adds to the demise of our mental wellness. Just think about that one car payment. If you're paying 
There are people that every, for 15 year period, they'll have a $500 a month car payment for different cars, right? Then they get it. Once that car is paid for, they go out, they get another one. They get another one and get another, if at $500 a month over a course of 15 years, that's $90,000. Now, if you just drove a normal car that could work and just get you from point A to point B, I get it, man. People want to look nice, but think about it. If you start young and you're 30, and you and you develop that concept. By the time you're 45, that's ninety thousand dollars, right? That you could drop on your mortgage. If let's say you had a hundred thousand dollar, ninety thousand dollar balance by the time you got to 45, and now you don't have ninety thousand dollars sitting in the bank because you spent it on car payments. Could you imagine being in a mental health turmoil? I I can, I know this. I've been there, and you have all these bills coming, right? But now when you take and pay your fucking mortgage off you don't have to worry about that anymore that's one less burden off your plate discipline can get you to a place of comfort one of my favorite things i love hearing people say there's like i don't make enough money and then i look at and you look at their spending habits and it's like no you make enough money you just spend money stupidly and that's the difference you have no discipline with your with your expenses and if you are in a mental health crisis, creating financial problems only intensifies that crisis. I've been on that side too. What I'm getting at is there's not any one magical solution that's going to make you happy. But what you have to do is work on yourself constantly and work on your situation constantly. And you have to pull out your bag of wrenches and you got to start turning different bolts in different places constantly adjusting and constantly improving and trying to never go backwards. And eventually over time and through making the effort and working on your stuff, that's what will make you better. It'll never go away. It'll never go away, but you can't improve your situation. Look at yourself and find the things that you can control. Just sit down one day and say, what in my life can I control? Can I control a little bit of my finances? Can I control um, the music that I listen to? You think that doesn't play into your mental health? I used to go to the gym and I would listen to heavy metal, um, gangster rap, all these things. And it's all this violent stuff, right? And then it puts me in a violent mindset and it puts me in a violent mind frame. Now I go in there and I listen to talk radio. And I know it sounds ridiculous, but when I leave the gym, or when I'm even in the gym, I'm not in that same headspace. I'm telling you, man, it's it's you're the company you keep. When you have conversations with negative people all of the time, you're going to be in a negative headspace. And anytime something negative happens, you're going to handle that situation negatively. It's as ridiculous as the things that you consume. You you know, hey, here we are. Your body becomes what you consume. You consume garbage, your body becomes garbage. You consume healthy things, your body becomes healthy. It's the same as your mind. You consume garbage with your mind, you're going it's it's going to be damaged. It's 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 going to be toxic and you're not going to be able to escape that. I know it sounds ridiculous. Sometimes I will drive down the road. I know you, you want to know what's crazy. <laughs> I love Mexican music because it's fun and I have no idea what they're saying because I can't speak Spanish. But it sounds fun. It sounds like they're 
at a party, having a good time, and everybody's enjoying it. And I'll ride down the road, listen to listen into those channels when I travel sometimes, and it puts me in a great mood, and it makes me feel like I'm at a fiesta. And I know it sounds crazy, but try it. Enjoy something that you don't understand because ignorance is bliss sometimes. They could be talking about some bad stuff. I don't know, but I don't understand it. I also listen to classical music, not because I enjoy classical music, but because it's pretty, because it's calming, because it gets me out of a negative headspace. Ever, you ever have somebody run up on your ass on the interstate and you're listening to gangster rap or you're listening to some heavy metal where they're talking about bashing skulls and, and, and taking people's eyeballs out and somebody comes up on your ass on the interstate? Where do you think your mind goes? It goes into tough guy or tough girl mode and like, oh, I'm going to fuck somebody up right now. Now, do the opposite and drive down the road and listen to classical music and let a big dually, F, that guy in the F-350, come up behind you, pushing you on your bumper. You know what you're probably going to do? You're probably just going to ease over to the right lane and be like, oh, he must be in a hurry to get somewhere. And you know what? No harm, no foul. He, he goes on up the road bullying people. It's not your problem now, and you're in a good place. That's what I'm getting at. Be in a good place. Find the things that are toxic in your life. And you may have never even thought about the music that you listen to and how toxic it can be. You may, you, you may have never thought about the, the stupid interest that you're paying on a credit card every month and how toxic that can be. You're just accustomed to paying the bare minimal in the interest on the credit card. Pay the fucking thing off. Pay it off. And then start paying off some other bills that are well within your control. And when you have two, three, four hundred, five hundred, a thousand extra dollars a month, watch the freedom that comes with that. And watch how much joy you get out of the freedom in your life. Me and my buddy Randy, we always talk about, we, are, we, we always talk about most people in this world are not free. Actually, we are all under somebody's thumb somewhere. It's an illusion, right? It's an illusion. But when you, when the man gets on you, the, the whole, I'm not even getting into conspiracy, but the government needs you to work, right? Because that's how the government works. That's how the government makes money. It makes money off of your back. And when you're out there working, guess what you're doing? You're consuming debt. You're using your car. You're beating up your body. You need medicine. You need to repair your car. You're using gas. Um, you're doing all these things that feeds the, the government and, and it fuels the government. And then when you get home and guess what? You don't have a corporation because you're being taxed as a W-2 employee. All right. So you go out and earn a dollar. You only get 60 cent of that because it goes to the man. You know, do you see what I'm getting at? I saw this thing the other day. It's uh, what's that guy's name? Is um, he's some animal guy. He eats um, he eats Liver King. His name's Liver King, and this isn't a plug for Liver King, but he's on Instagram. He's got like a million followers. But here's the thing: he eats like raw meat. And you know what he said the other day? He was consuming raw meat, and he said, "People say that I'm going to die because this is unhealthy and this is no way to live my life." And he said he had the best comeback. He goes. All these motherfuckers that are going to work hate their job talking about having a life. And I'm out here living the life I want to live. Now think about that. Think about how powerful that is. Get some freedom in your life. Find some freedom at all costs. Find the freedom. If you have these 10, 12, 14 hour days, find a way to shave an hour off of that day and give back to yourself. If you never start giving back to yourself, you're never going to get healthy. Find a way to give back to yourself. You are the charity for a change. Stop giving everybody around you everything you got and stop giving your all of yourself to your work, right? Because you need more of yourself. 
That's very important. And so when my therapist asked me about my recovery, I think that's what it, what it boiled down to. Once I got to a place and I exercised some discipline and I got some things paid off, I started creating little bits of freedom. And before I knew it, I had more freedom and more freedom and more freedom and even more freedom. And then I was allowed to take that time and get away from the toxic things in my life that were bringing me down. And I was able to experiment with myself because you can't, you don't have, when you're working a nine to five and you're six days a week and every once in a while you got to work seven days and you don't have time to work on yourself. Are you kidding me? This universe will take and take and take and take from you. And if all you're doing is giving it, it's going to keep taking it. So take, take some back for yourself. Damn it. Go do it. Start working on yourself and get well. I love y'all.